when it comes to heating up your business, it's all about making more bacon. And that requires an expert with a particular set of skills. You need a Baconologist. Building authentic connections, online networking, through social selling, relationship marketing, mindset and training. Yeah, that's bacon. Get ready, because we're about to fry up a sizzling success strategy. This is the Bacon Podcast with your host and business Baconologist, Brian Basilico. It's a lot of bees, man. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps, I am uber excited. I have a great repeat guest. Actually, he was on the show just a handful of episodes ago. His name is Stan Phelps, and today we're going to be talking about what to consider in your business in 2023. So we'll jump on that topic in a minute, but before we do that, let's say hi to Stan. Stan, hi. Yeah, hey, Brian, good to be back. It's great to have you back, man. You've been out and about traveling the world. You've been to the Philippines. You've been to Abu Dhabi. You've, man, you know, you get around. I get around, yeah. That, I, I just came back from Mexico about four weeks ago. So the global side of speaking is probably the aspect I love the most about what I do. That's awesome. Well, I guess I'm going to have to call you the Raleigh Globetrotter. Is that fair? I, I will uh, guilty as charged. All right. But uh, I, I've never seen you dribble, but we've golfed together, which is awesome. So, uh, But I've seen you dribble a ball up on the green, so that's close. There you go. So anyway, so today we're going to be talking about the workforce in the coming year. This is the series right. where we start looking ahead to what's going to be important for business owners, C-level people to start thinking about. So one of the topics that we discussed was looking at the makeup of the workplace, you know, and of course, old school, I was old school when I worked at AT AT&T, you showed up at eight o'clock, you clocked out at five o'clock and that was, you know, that was life. That's just the way it was. And of course, if you didn't get your work done, you would stay until midnight, right? Right. But that's not the way it works anymore. So Let's kind of discuss from a global standpoint, what's the perceived problem with employees in that kind of model today? Well, I I think you framed it. It's the old school thinking, Brian, that you have to be in the office and you have to be seen when when you're actually doing your work. And that, you know, in order to build a culture, you need that you need everyone to be together. And I think that's, you know, that's the the old school mentality that is causing such a problem right now. And I agree with you. I think one of the things that I learned from the pandemic too, is the reason that is so comfortable is because people can walk out of their cubicle and knock on a door, right? Right. When you have a remote workforce, it's like those interactions have to be done either through a channel like a Slack or they have to be scheduled through a Zoom. Right. So I think that people feel like it's not as convenient and flexible and things like that. Do you agree? I, I agree. And I, and I think to a certain extent that you do, learn, you do lose a certain element of serendipity, um, of bumping into people, um, and creating that type of connection. Um, so that's that's a little bit of a negative. In fact, famously, I don't know if you you would have heard this, Brian, but when when Steve Jobs bought Pixar and they were designing the new headquarters for Pixar, 
he very intentionally in this huge building, it had kind of these two wings that came together in the middle. He very purposely put the bathrooms right towards the middle of both of the wings mm -hmm. because he wanted to create that forced interaction. And, and I think there's a lesson there in that he was very intentional about it. And I think you had kind of spoken to it. It's something that I think today's leaders need to be very intentional about how they bring the group together because the days of everyone being in the, in the same place and working, they're long behind us. Yes, I would a hundred percent agree. So the perceived problem is, you know, the lack of serendipity, the lack of that immediate feedback and, and conversations, but what's the real problem that we have? Well, I think the real problem is is just that, you know, work is no longer where you go. You know, technology has allowed us to be able to have flexibility in where and how and when we do our work. And so, you know, there there was a recent there was a recent study, Brian, that came out and they asked workers, they said, would you rather take a $30,000 increase in salary or going forward, would you want total control of where and how you did your work? What percentage said, nah, I don't want to take the 30,000 more in salary. I'm going to take a wild guess and say 70%. You were right almost on the nail. You're, you're a little optimistic. It was 67%. Percent. So two out of every three people said, nope, um, I'll save me the commute if I have the ultimate flexibility. And, and that's telling us something we've known for a while, Brian. Mm -hmm. But I think that really quantifies it, you know, especially for the younger generations, the Gen Zs and the millennials. Flexibility is one of the most, it, it may be the biggest thing that they prize when they're looking at potential job opportunities. Absolutely. I think that I think that the the mindset of and I, the reason I use millennial as a general term is because I have one. But the mindset of the millennial is they're in for the experience. You know, right. they want to be able to experience friends and family and work and they look at things differently where, you know, me being a baby boomer I was taught by my parents, it's all about the outcome and the money that you make and the house that you build. And, you know, it was more about the stature. Right. And I find that my kids don't care about stature. Right. They care about what they do on the weekends or what they do at night and that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. You know, the, and I've done some work around the generational space and how they approach things. And boomers, you if you summed up boomers in one word, it would be work. Mm-hmm. Like if you met somebody who's a boomer, the first thing that they would lead with is what they do because it defines who they are. Right. You know, I, I'm a Gen Xer and Gen Xers were the first ones that really put an emphasis on work-life balance. And, and um, you know, part of that is that, that when Xers grew up, a lot of them grew up in one-parent households. You know, the divorce rate nearly 50% in some parts of the country. Um, they were the latchkey kids. You know, they, they, they spent a lot of time on their own. So 
work and they also saw the idea of lifetime unemployment end i i think it's an interesting i think everyone brings their own attitude to work but i think the millennials and the gen z's they've grown up working in groups um in diverse they, they're the first ones to kind of bring experience with diversity into the workplace um and they do work they don't see a difference between work and life it's very much especially for the gen z's it's all about integration mm -hmm. right they can do multiple things at one time absolutely so with that being said what is the solution what do owners c-level people managers need to think about i think i think if you want to create the strongest teams and the the strongest workforce and you want to be able to recruit i think you have to you have to be flexible and and make flexibility a, a key element of of your policy um and and realize that you need to meet people where they are some people are going to thrive being in that in-office environment some will absolutely want to be remote 100 percent of the time and i and i think you've got people that are are going to be on that fence where they're okay with coming into the office one you know maybe two days a week um but giving the people your people the control over their over their schedule i think it's going to be a game changer going forward yeah i agree i i being in raleigh i've met more people you know that when you, you you go to like business meetings what do you do and they say i work for such and such company oh is that based in raleigh no it's based in virginia it's based in california it's based right. in denver you know it's like there are more and more people that are very comfortable with that lifestyle and and i think it opens up a lot of opportunities for business too because you're going to end up with better talent if you get your pool outside of your urban area right. i would imagine right and then people don't have to move and the cost of moving people is usually expensive and a lot of times companies move people they pay the package and the person shows up at work and it doesn't work out right right um yeah i, I think it's and we'll talk about it in a second i think it's it's a you know it's an a it's a win for the environment because you're reducing the the impact on on the global footprint when people aren't getting in a car every day mm -hmm. And traveling, you know, twenty minutes to an hour or an hour plus to go to work. Um, workers are more satisfied when they have greater flexibility. So you're retaining your employees, you're keeping them engaged. And lastly, and the studies back it up, people are more productive when they have control. And um, and so what's not to like about better for the environment better for the employee and better for the company right and i i 100 agree so now we get to the how um right. how do people implement this because it is a change i remember my clients like freaking out is they went from being a business to an it company uh having to figure out how to get everybody to work remotely but that's not the issue the issue is how do businesses change their mindset to embrace remote teams well i think first off and it's going to be hard that you have to let go of the idea of command and control mm -hmm. 
And that's scary for a lot of people. Again, the old school mentality, if I can't see you, how do I know you're actually doing your job? Right. And I think where we have to, we have to move away from command and control to more of what's called a row workplace. And row is an acronym. I didn't develop this. It was developed back in, in the 2000s at Best Buy. But row is an acronym for results only work environment. Hmm. And, and, and if you think about it, at the end of the day, what <laughs> results should be the only thing that matters. Doesn't matter how you do it or where you do it or even to a lesser extent when you do it. Um, and, and again, the research when, when the University of Minnesota studied Best Buy, 30% more productive, 30% more satisfied in their role when they had that workplace flexibility. And that's a huge number. I mean, you know, considering that, um, I don't know what the number is, but I think more than 50% of people dislike what they do for a living. Oh, yeah. In, in, in fact, um, you know, 70% of people who voluntarily leave their job, right? They quit their job. They don't quit their job. They're actually quitting their boss. Mm -hmm. Seven out of 10. And a lot of times it's because that whoever they're working for, they don't like the style or the sense of control that that person holds over the employee, if we're being honest. And so to, to really make it just about the results and giving people the freedom to do the work on their own terms, um, it takes a lot of guts, but I think the payoff is, is immense. So essentially, it, it, it's kind of like salespeople where you set a quota and they just have to do what they do to meet that quota. Right. But it's, it's more, you know, it, it's a daily quota or weekly quota on, you know, productivity or results or sales or whatever it is. And, and I think, you know, I, the first thing you have to do is set realistic and, and achievable goals and then you communicate it in a way that the people are going to A, understand it and B, embrace it. Right. And I do think all that to say, you know, we talked about some of the positives and the negatives of not having everyone in the same place. I think you have to be proactive as a leader to be able to bring your folks together now multiple times a year, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm selfishly saying that, Brian, because I'm a speaker. So I'm hoping to <laughs> bringing people together right? And educating them and inspiring them and engaging them with good content. But I, I do think it, it puts an onus on doing the little things to create that sense of belonging, because you just can't fall back on everyone's in the same place. So with that being said, you know, we kind of have a model to work from. Can you give me an example of how this has worked in the past? You know, I, I, I have an entire book called The Green Goldfish. Um, and The Green Goldfish is just the idea of little things that you do beyond the dollars that you pay someone to drive engagement and reinforce culture. And so flexibility is one of the 15 key ways you can do it. And it, it, it may be, Brian, the, the most important. That, that and giving people time away from the office 
to kind of recharge their batteries and, um, you know, to, to rest. Um, those two things may be the most important out of the entire 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I've got tons of examples of, of how companies give people control in terms of how they take their time off, which is key. Um, and it's just not Best Buy. There's probably another five examples I have in the book of how flexibility um, has really driven both productivity and job satisfaction. Well, pick one and give me an example of... Yeah, I'll, gi- I'll give you a fun one. So this is an interesting one. So I used to live in Connecticut, and I lived right up the hill from the most profitable per square foot grocery store in the world. Hmm. It's the world's largest dairy store as well. It's a place called Stu Leonard's. And Stu Leonard's created a program um, called Mom's Hours. And what they found is that there were a, a lot of mothers that used to be in the workforce and have decided to stay home because they had young kids. Um, but they still wanted to go back and be able to work. And so this is the ultimate to me in flexibility. They literally created these roles that worked around the school calendar. Hmm. So when you're, you know, typically it was like a nine to three work day. But when your child was in school, that's when you worked. So you ended up working about 180 days a year. But when your child your child or your children were on vacation, you were on vacation. When they were on winter holidays or spring break, you were on winter holidays and spring break. I'll, I'll give you one more because it's funny. Sometimes, Brian, there's there's you know, we're a smaller organization. Mm-hmm. We're not like a Best Buy. We can't we can't make it work from a flexibility perspective. Well, there's a, a small PR agency in New York City, and it's so small, Brian. It's the principal, and the principal had one employee. And the one employee happened to be, when I was writing the book and I came across this example, she was engaged to a New York City police officer. Hmm. And when you're a New York City police officer, you work five days on, three days off, five days on, two days off. And that's how they get the coverage for a 15-day period. Well, what she did with her lone employee, when her fiancé was off, she was off. When her fiancé was working, she would work. So it could be that there were some weeks where a weekday she might have two or if not three days off during the week, but all that really mattered was that she was getting her job done. And so that type of flexibility in just a two-person firm throws down the challenge of, you know, how come you can't do it in your organization? That is an awesome story. And I think that really kind of solidifies it, I think, for the the small business, the mid-sized business and large business. Well, Stan, this has been amazing as usual. You always deliver the goods. And so I want to give people an opportunity to connect with you. If they want to do so, what's the best way for them to do that? 
Best way is my website is stanphelpspeaks.com. And then um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Stan Phelps. So linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Stan Phelps. Well, Stan, I really appreciate you and your time and coming on and dropping some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. Great insight. And I think it's a great way to start off the new year thinking about how you can build a more flexible and profitable business. Stan, great stuff. And thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Thank you for letting us sprinkle some bacon bits into your brains. Want some more? Learn more about this podcast and our guest experts at baconpodcast.com. Have questions? Send them to askbrian at baconpodcast.com. Until next time, keep sizzling. And remember, it's all about the bacon. <laughs>